Hey, listeners, welcome to another special episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. I'm your host, Chuck Peters. I'm the director of Kids at Lifeway, and I'm joined today again by two really good friends, Jana Magruder. Hello, Jana. What is it that you do at Lifeway Kids? I am called the Strategic Initiative Director of Lifeway Kids. It sounds very strategic. I know, right? And there's a lot of initiatives that we're working on. There so that's are a lot of endless initiatives, yes. Very fitting. Jana <laughs> Magruder, welcome back. And we're also joined by our colleague, Stephanie Salvatore. Hey, Steph. Hey. What is it that you do at Lifeway Kids? I am the Creative Director at Lifeway Kids. You are. And you are both creative and directive, <laughs> which is very well suited to you. Thanks. We have been learning in some uh, a book that we've been reading as a team about the ways that we work as different people. And so as we interact and I look at the two of you, I just can't help but see through like with new insight. We've talked about how some of us are ideators that do things or we're inventive or we dream a lot. Others of us are uh, discerning and able to decide what what's a good idea and maybe what's an idea that's not so good, at least not for the time. Those of us who galvanize teams and bring them together or, or those who are the tenacious ones who actually do the work and keep it on schedule and get it done. So it's just kind of fun to see how we're all wired differently. Mm-hmm. And it's so great for a conversation like this to have the three of us share together our different perspectives on this content that we have developed. So we are talking listeners. This is we're in the midst of a series on the book that Jana, Stephanie and I have co-authored called Flip the Script disrupting tradition for the sake of the next generation. It's all about understanding the culture that we are serving in, about understanding uh, Generation Z and Gen Alpha to, to, uh, so that we can adjust our ministry strategies to better reach them with the gospel. Same gospel, but the generation and the culture we live in really needs to be approached in a way that meets them where they are so we can build bridges to them. And so this book, Flip the Script, that we have worked on together, pulls together research, a lot of research. We're going to start with a little bit of that as we kick off this episode and strategy so that we can take that research, understand a philosophy of how to apply the research, and then strategize what that looks like from a practical point of view. So listeners, if you have not seen Flip the Script, we want to invite you to get a free copy we'll tell you at the end of the episode how you can do that, where you can go to get that. So keep listening and stay tuned. If you've missed the prior episodes in this series, go back and listen to those and uh, you'll get the introduction that will lead into this current episode and then come back to this one. So we're going to be talking today about a ministry model. We, there are things that we do, most of us, uh, that we've done, uh, maybe was handed to us, the model that we're using And we don't often stop to evaluate that model. So we're going to be talking in this episode about evaluating our strategy and talking about maybe reconsidering and doing something different. All of this, of course, guys, is in response to the research that we have found. And so we cite within Flip the Script some research that we um, have uh, pulled together, uh, largely in partnership with Lifeway Research, our great friends across the building. Uh, who do fantastic work. And one of the things that we see is, uh, and that we know, this isn't news, is that kids leave the church when they get old enough to make their own decision. In fact, the the number that we have is 66%. At the time that this research was pulled, 66% of churched kids 
will stop attending church regularly between the ages of 18 and 22. And so they're getting to the age where it's their choice and they're not staying. 66%, and we know that 66% may be conservative Mm -hmm. because this continues, it seems like this continues to just get worse and worse. Yes, and really, it, it depends on which research organization you read. So this is, I think, Lifeway Research, 66%, but Barna and other Pew Research have found even bigger statistics. Even higher. So the point is, it's consistent that we know a large amount of kids uh, in their college, young adult years leave the church. Some of them come back. Many of them don't. And so I know this is not new to our listeners because we have been throwing around this scary statistic for a really long time. The point is, for this purpose, why? Why are they leaving? And what we have found is that many of the reasons are related to relational things. Right. And so if you dive in, you can see that um, things like, I'll just mention a couple from the book. Before we give those away, we, we might think, we might think we know why. Right. Because I think a lot of us are, we guess, well, they're leaving the church because why? Steph, what do you think people are, are thinking? Well, I know the research. So. Well, I know, but <laughs> pretend, pretend you it. don't. <laughs> pretend you don't. So, like, we, we look around and we're like, well, there must be reasons that kids are leaving. And, well, anyhow, most of those reasons that we might come up with may not be these that are anchored in the research, right? Okay. So, Jana, I'm going to, I'll cut you loose to share the, share what's on the, what we have in the, in the book. So we found some reasons, and they're largely relational. Yes, and I I can feel the listeners saying, tell us the reasons. And so I'm going to do that right now. So many of them, what was really interesting to us, go back to relational things. Why are they leaving? Things like uh, 32% when interviewed said that church members seemed judgmental or hypocritical. Have so, we heard this before? And so remember, these are young people, right? Yes. These are teenagers. These are teenagers that we're allowed to interview. So they have to be 18 and above. Right. So uh, in the middle of their you know, young adult years, college years, uh, they are saying things like, I never felt connected to the students in my youth ministry, so I left. 23%. 23%. Almost one out of four say mm-hmm. that. Yes. Stephanie, you say another one. <laughs> sure. I felt disconnected from the people at my church. So disconnected from other students and also disconnected from other people. In general, just mm-hmm. not connecting the church. And that was 29% responded that way. That's pretty hefty. Right. And so the point is, we know that a lot of the reasons are relational. And so the response is, what, or the question is, what can we do as a church to respond in a way that sets up our ministries to make kids and students feel seen and known. Mm. We, we hear that a lot. And I think uh, we go into the book a little bit about seen hospitality versus known hospitality. And so how can we as churches who do a really good job of seeing hospitality, we, we see people really well. We see people when they walk in the door because we have greeters. We see people as they drive into parking lots because we have even parking teams, some of us. Uh, and we want to capture information. We want to uh, make sure that we maybe follow up with a postcard or a phone call. Uh, but do we go beyond seeing to the knowing of people? And this goes for kids, students, and just regular visitors who are adults. And so the book kind of dives into 
what are some of the things that we can do to address this relational gap that we're we're seeing in our next gen kids? And this, guys, we have to, listeners, we have to be really careful to not be overly defensive about this because I would say every church would think that they're the exception. Oh, no, no, no. Our church is yeah. really welcoming. Right. Our church is really friendly. But there's a difference between hospitality, between being welcoming and feeling known relationally. Right. And that welcoming piece is really important. It we is. We need to be doing those for the, the those first-time visitors, those kids who are coming in. Maybe they normally attend a different service or they more normally attend a different campus. We need to be doing that extravagant welcome to draw those kids in, but we have to take that next step to make them feel known, to really know who they are and make them really feel like this is home. Yeah. I mean, we like we talk about things like, you know, that extravagant welcome. There, uh, we, we may be doing great things. We may be high-fiving kids at the door. Maybe everybody has a name tag and we call them by their name and we feel like we're doing this. But there's more because it goes so much more deeply. It's not just about us have, taking – Seth at our church, we both are at the same church. We are, There's a culture where we have people who take umbrellas out when it's raining and walk you in under an umbrella. It's very hospitable right? and sees people. But if those people don't feel seen or feel known, if it stays at the surface, it doesn't get to the heart of, the, of what we're seeing to be the real problem. Right. And do you feel like our traditional ministry models in kids' ministry have addressed that? So what we need to be aware of, and so I'm going to go back to the question that I sort of set up to have you guys answer that I put you in an awkward position, and I'll, I'll give a couple of perspectives from my brain on that. So what I don't see in the statistics, at least that, that we're not at this level, is kids are just abandoning their faith altogether because they don't believe the Bible is true. Maybe that comes as a smaller thing. That, that's not part of what this study was, but as they talk about why they're leaving the church What's rising up is first and foremost at a high level, the idea that, that of connection. Right. And so we need to have content in a context of connection. And so, yes, maybe they are falling away from their faith ultimately because they're leaving the church, they're walking away, but they're looking for something, a context within which to receive that learning. And we know we can fill heads and we can... Uh, with knowledge, right? Uh, learn, we can study and fill people with Bible knowledge and not reach the heart, and they're not going to change. We can, uh, we can talk about behavioral modifications, do this and don't do that, and, and, uh, and not reach the heart. And at the end of it, the heart is what needs to be reached. That, the heart of the gospel is the heart of the person, is reaching the heart of the person with the heart of Jesus. And so that's where the change comes out in behavior and in understanding after the heart change, and that heart change comes best in a context of interpersonal relationship and what we might call discipleship connections. Yes, and so that reminds me of just kind of the way that I grew up in church, which was a very traditional ministry model. And I want listeners to understand that there is nothing wrong with this mm -mm. in terms of it has worked for so long. That's how I came to faith. That's how I... Uh, developed ministry in my ministry years, um, and it's still working today, especially in certain regions of the country. But as culture is shifting so quickly, 
we want to help flip the script. That I mean, honestly, that's kind of why we landed on the name of the book is how can we take to task our traditional ministry models and say, is this still working effectively? And so a traditional ministry model might look something like hear, believe, share. If I hear, you mean listen. And when I say hear, and it's very important to determine the difference of the homonym here. Homonym is a good word. Yeah. (laughs) Former elementary teacher. Uh, H-E-A-R here is uh, we want kids to come to us, maybe come to our uh, children's ministry, our Sunday school classes, and hear about Jesus, believe very quickly in Jesus, and then begin sharing about Jesus. And that is the power of the gospel. What we are saying is let's be sure that kids are, are uh, comfortable enough to sit and hear, H-E-A-R, and not assume that they have enough just comfort level of being in church. Because in the previous episodes, listeners, we talked a lot about we can't make those assumptions anymore that mm-hmm. kids have grown up in a church background or are understanding um, what it even means to be walk in the door of a church or what the Bible is or who God is. And so if we don't make those assumptions, we really need to kind of tackle first things first. And so if we take three steps back and just start with, we assume nothing but that you are here, the other homonym, present, H-E-R-E, and start there. We just know that you are here with us. And so what do we do with that? So, and it's important to note, so we started by saying uh, one of the concerns that we have as the church is that kids are leaving the church. Churched kids are leaving. And we talked about the reasons why are largely relational. But really, we need to remember, guys, that as our, all of us listeners, that our ministries are made up of really two groups. There, And I'm going to put my marketing hat on for a second, right? There's the retention group and the acquisition group in our churches. Retention is, is those people who are currently with us that we want them to stay with us. And the acquisition is bringing people who don't know Jesus, who may be first-time visitors, who may be new to the faith, to bring them in. And so if we focus all of our attention on those we already have and not losing them, we're missing a large opportunity. And if we focus all of our attention on reaching the, 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 those who are far uh, to bring them in, but not on those who are already in, we're likewise missing an opportunity. And the truth is, each of those kids who are in those categories may be at different places on their spiritual journey. And so we need to be aware that some may merely be present. They're, that's, they're just here. That's all we can assume. And others are more uh, farther along yeah. in their faith journey. And so what we're about to talk about here. It needs to include acknowledgement that no, we don't have everybody at the same place at the same time. There's kids across this pathway, and we need to be aware that's, that we need to be able to welcome and speak to outsiders and also speak in ways that connect, truly connect those who are insiders and not take for granted that they're in their good. So let's talk about how we expand that, that model, Jana. We talked about it as a spiritual journey pathway mm-hmm. You've already established the idea of we need to move from the assumption that they're ready to listen to H-E-A-R to lower our expectations, maybe just to uh, start with merely the truth that they are present and that they are H-E-R-E. Take us through that pathway. Well, okay. 
like you said, there's a spectrum of kids that are going to be in your ministries, and some of them are going to be outsiders. We talk about what it feels like to be an outsider. Imagine what, and I know all of us can imagine that feeling of walking into a church for the first time, walking into a, a place of employment for the first time, or a party even. That's, I get party anxiety, walking into the 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 room for the first time. Um, Chuck and never may- has party. No, he anxiety. does not. Never. He doesn't get it. Um, so, but you want to have a friend, and maybe you don't. But your your parents have dropped you off, and you're going in. And there's you- there's social anxiety if you don't know Absolutely. someone, you feel alone. Yeah, you don't want you want to go to the corner and hide and leave. And I have felt that before. No, you have haven't. Not. I don't believe <laughs> only <you>. once, <laughs> and it didn't last very long because then I made a friend. Everybody's a friend immediately. <laughs> so. Yes. So how can we as leaders break down barriers to belonging? And there's that word, belonging. How can we develop a culture of belonging in our ministries that trains our leaders and our volunteers to anticipate newcomers, anticipate kids who feel like outsiders, or even kids who've been with you a while who are experiencing anxiety, uh, which we know statistically is many of the kids in our ministries. So how can we be mindful of building that culture of belonging so that we break down those barriers and it's very easy to help kids enter into um, engaging and listening? We call that next phase listening. How do we help kids engage with fun? So we talked in the last episode about uh, fun is a good thing in kids' ministry because it helps build that culture of belonging so that listening can happen and engagement can happen, and therefore understanding more and more about who God is can happen. So those first three steps are before a child comes to faith. Yeah, those are all pre-faith engagement that we really need to make because content for this generation, they don't assume or or accept that just because you're the leader with a microphone in the front of the room that you are an authority that they're going to trust. We have to build trust with them. We do that by breaking down barriers, by engaging them with experiences where we can be side by side and interact together in ways that are non-threatening to break down those emotional barriers and open them to actually listen and then understanding that follows all before they're ready to even be equipped to understand what they might, what kind of decision they might be making in regards to their faith. Absolutely. And so if that, if our traditional model begins with uh, hear, believe, share, this model suggests that you take a few steps back and begin with hear, and then that enters into listening and then understanding. Then our hope and desire ultimately through the power of the Holy Spirit is that, is that children would, would believe in Jesus and profess their faith in him. And then that enters into sort of the second half of the pathway, which then embraces believing, growing in my faith, and then reaching my friends and community for the gospel. And at each phase along this spiritual journey pathway stuff, we've identified that the child is in one place and that there's actions for the church that coincide with that. And we've touched on a bit of that going through. When we get to the back half of this, when we talk about offering the gospel in context, what does that mean to you? I think um, I have had a lot of experiences where we teach an entire lesson and the kids are kind of full. They've heard it. They've heard the lesson and they are antsy and ready to go. 
And then we try and tack on a gospel conversation onto the end of that. And by the time we're presenting the gospel, boy, these kids are just done. So the strategy here is to always present the gospel in the context of what they're learning. So um, whatever, whatever the truth is that they're learning that week, you're rolling from that straight into the gospel so that they can understand how that gospel presentation, kind of what it has to do with what they learned today. And that's so key because we, I mean, we've all been in those settings where, I mean, we're not the ones doing them, listeners, right? Not us, but where somebody else is doing something where that where there's this major jarring shift from a, a teaching moment or a worship into a gospel presentation that feels like it's tacked on or not really connected. So in the context that this ministry is happening in relationship, we want that to feel as natural as possible. So that idea of not in, in, Hey, anytime you're sharing the gospel is a win. We always want to do that. I'm not saying don't share the gospel. We need to do that, but it can be better understood and received if we figure out how to do that in a, in context rather than as a tacked on thing. Sure. Integrated into the, the lesson that you're teaching that day. So, okay. So we talked about the two audiences, right? The retention crowd is the one that we started with when we, we talk about uh, kids leaving the church and, and we, we know that by engaging them in relationship, uh, we may be able to, uh, to retain them. Uh, but the other side is bringing in that acquisition audience. That seems like not the right word to use, but it's outreach. It's, it's kids and families in our community who, who are far from God, who don't have a church background, who aren't, uh, who aren't comfortable uh, with some of the things that we do in the church that they don't understand. And so we need to figure out how we can take steps to welcome, to see. Jenna, you mentioned that they were seen and known and wanted and welcomed or something along those lines, right? That they feel that. How might we move outsiders inside? And so we have developed an outsider in model. Yeah. So our outsider in model addresses kind of that kid who arrives feeling like an outsider. And maybe, maybe that's because they're a first-time visitor, but we also have a lot of kids we might think would feel like an insider, but they don't. don't. I mean, it can be anything from, you know, I normally attend a different worship service, or I normally attended a different campus, or I don't come that often. I only come once a month. And so a lot of people arrive not necessarily feeling like an insider. So of course, when you feel like an outsider, your biggest fears are, I'm going to be marginalized. I'm going to be embarrassed by not knowing something. I'm going to feel left out of the group. So the first critical thing we want to do for that child is move them as quickly as we can towards psychological safety and comfort. So we do that by doing quickly doing easy entry games, um, get to know you, I just need to know your name. So we're not going to start disseminating information the second they get there. It's not all about what what information can I shove into your head. Right. It's more about how do I look at where each child is and move them toward a place of psychological safety. And this can be a subtle but really important shift in how we use our arrival time. Right? Because oftentimes we use that arrival time to pre-teach the lesson. Mm-hmm. We're going to play a game today about Moses in the Ten Commandments, and it's a Ten Commandment game. Well, there's, that's not invalid, but if we're trying to welcome outsiders in, not having the knowledge of what those plagues were or how to put them in order <laughs> or what the thing is, uh, you know, stick the flies on the Egyptian, whatever the game might be. That's funny. 
Um, uh, whatever the game might be, put the boils on the cows. Okay, moving on. Moving okay. On. Um, we, the, they, if they don't know those things, they can immediately feel like an outsider, even in our fun welcome time. But the suggestion might be, let's rethink how we even use that welcome game and for what purpose. And you're saying, or what we're saying together, since we wrote this book together, <laughs> is there maybe a better way to help outsiders feel comfortable? Yeah, make that purpose relational rather than knowledge-based. And then as they begin to feel that psychological safety, we want to quickly move them toward inclusion. We want them to feel like they're included in games with shared goals, with shared activities. Um, and the way that we do this is by making sure that we're immediately moving them toward group activities and group games. One of the, this, some of this grew out of an experience I had at church one Sunday where we had a visitor and I was trying to get this child assimilated into their group and just nothing worked. Everything I tried, nothing worked. And the moment they started a little relay game where this child had to accomplish a task with a group, all of that went away. They were immediately a part of the group and felt relationship with those other kids. And an easy way to use play and fun, which is the word we talked about last week, to build connection. And the building of that connection is what allows the eyes, ears, hearts, and mind to be open. So uh, psychological safety to inclusion to participation. And then learning comes after that child feels safe. Right. So you want to get them participating in a low-risk way. So... To, to draw a child into participation, you're not asking them questions they might not know the answer to. You're feeding them the answers. You're making it easy for them to participate so that there's no risk of embarrassment. And so, go ahead. Yeah, and then, then they're ready to learn. So at this point, you're hoping um, kids feel emotionally comfortable to a point that they can start participating and learning in this group environment. So when you talk about feeding them answers, we, we, have, we really are drawn to the call and response method. Yeah where we would say, turn to the person next to you and say, God loves you. God loves you. Everybody say, God loves me. God loves me. So it's, you know, we're not asking that as a question. We're making it something the group does together, feeding them the answer. And I, I love how that can bring in energy and it lets them think, hear, and say uh, whatever that truth is that we're teaching. So again, it's a playful, clever way to uh, where as, as opposed to if we put up and said, who can recite the, the, you know, whatever, if you can't, all the other hands go up except yours, you feel dumb and you don't want to be there. Right. You feel left out. So then as we move, a lot of this can happen in the large group setting, right? So mm -hmm. we, we might play those welcome games in a small group setting when we arrive, get to know each other's names. We're going to move to some team play then some large group things where we might use the call and response and have some of the bigger teaching. And then as we go back to small group, We've now created, hopefully, a sense of safety and connection that can lead to uh, participation in that small group conversation. Right. And th at this point, you know, in some of the ministry models I've been a part of, we would begin teaching from moment one. So now we're hitting maybe halfway, maybe two thirds of the way through the session and we're introducing teaching and truths because the kids are now emotionally ready to receive it. And so as you move back into that small group, now they're ready to contribute. They're ready to be able to offer ideas and suggestions and ask questions and contribute in a way that they would not have been 33 minutes ago. Good stuff. So Janet, as we talk about this change in a model, this uh, adjustment, because it's not a drastic change, it's just a new awareness 
of where kids are and how we can meet them. All of this is informed, not just because we think it's a good idea. It's all informed by the research that we have done that has identified two really big cultural concerns that this generation holds. And so let's introduce what those two big things are. Well, one of them we've kind of talked about, and that is the need to build belonging. And I know belonging is kind of a buzzword mm-hmm. and, and one that could even be a little polarizing because we think of it as um, uh, churches who may or, or people who may uh, attribute the word belonging to meaning you're automatically a believer. And that's not what we're saying here. We are saying, how can we help kids feel like they should be with us at church? And create the kind of um, environments that help kids feel safe and and like they belong, which we've already talked about. So that's a huge need in our culture. The other thing which really clicks nicely uh, with belonging is this need to help kids understand their identity. Again, another big buzzword, another word that can even be polarizing, but we want to be able to be countercultural to answer that question because we know that kids are asking, who am I? And we want to be able to say, here is who you are because of who God is. And we want to build identity in Christ. And so where belonging and identity click together, we feel like is a great place to build our ministries around. And then everything that we do can hang off of our awareness of those two major felt needs that are within the hearts of every hearts and minds of every kid and student that we're interacting with, whether they are in the church or new to the church. We know that in the culture, this this is the most connected generation of all time through technology, but it's the loneliest and most isolated in history um, in real life. And so discipleship always happens in relationship. We have to build connection person to person, life to life. Kids are longing for belonging. They are on a quest. They're hungry to define themselves and understand who they are. And so we need to figure out how to make this click stuff between the connection of belonging and identity. Yeah. So as kids begin to feel seen and known, it really opens their heart to kind of move into that second half of the pathway that we talked about. So we, they experience belonging with the people of God, and that moves them toward an openness to know God. And then once they come to a place where they know God, that moves them again back. They want to help others to know him, too. So those two ideas, those two big ideas, click together really nicely. Jana Magruder and Stephanie Salvatore, thank you guys for having another great conversation about this. Listeners, we are so glad to have you with us listening to this series. Remember, this is the middle of a series that we're doing. And so we welcome you to go back and listen to the other episodes and to come back again next time for another. And next time we're together, we're going to unpack this idea of what does it mean to have your identity in Christ and how can we help kids find that identity in Christ? We did mention the book. The book is called, flip the script, Disrupting Tradition for the Sake of the Next Generation. There's a couple of places you can get this. It's a beautiful book. Uh, Jana, Stephanie, and I authored this together, but Stephanie did the design of this book, and it is gorgeous. You want to hold it in your hand. It feels super good. It would look great on your coffee table. The art and illustrations and graphics in it are really compelling, and it's just a beautiful thing. So if you want a physical copy of the book, a real copy of the book, lifeway.com slash kids is a place you can go to find all kinds of great things, and you can find it there. 
lifeway.com slash flip the script is where you can find the page that you can go and purchase the book if you want physical copy or copies. That would be wonderful too. But we also want to give you the opportunity to get a free, free digital copy of the book. And you can do that right now at lifeway.com slash flip the script download lifeway.com slash flip the script download. That's easier to type than it is to say, but it's worth it either way. Hey, I like how that kind of rhyme. Do you hear that? It's oh, like, hey, yes. we should have a party. <laughs> Let's have a little party and we'll have some fun. Lifeway.com slash flip the script download. Listeners, go get that, peruse it. And when we come back next time, you can open up that PDF and look at the diagrams while we talk about the stuff we're talking about. Great idea. Great idea. Jana, <laughs> Stephanie, thanks for being here. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. us. And <laughs> listeners, thank you for being here. We'll see you back again soon for the next episode of the, what is it called? The Kids Mystery 101 podcast. <laughs> <laughs>